The title of today's episode is A Bold Data Journey. If you want to learn about data collaboration, if you want to know about the biggest challenges with the data, what kind of data is a good data, if you want to learn basically everything about data from a fresh perspective or from a completely new perspective, this is episode for you. When in reality, data comes almost in an infinite number of forms, you know, when you... When you... This is Nick Jordan. Boil it down, at least digitally, you know, data is just ones and zeros that are going through a pipe. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and anything that is complex is that it's it's really hard to collaborate around because, you know, you, you could have one data set that is representing uh, weather information. Uh, and you could have another data set that is also representing weather information. And those data sets don't look anything like each other. Nick Jordan is the founder of Narrative, a company dedicated to transforming data commerce and guiding businesses in systematically creating and selling data. Before founding Narrative, Nick has also served as a senior vice president of product and strategy of Tapad, an advertising and marketing company. He has been in the industry for quite some time now. So if you want to learn about data in depth and from a fresh perspective, this is the episode for you and you don't want to miss it. If you want to learn more about me, go to issuesing.com, I-S-H-U-S-I-N-G-H.com, issuesing.com. Go there and learn more about me. If you want to learn about the evolution of this podcast, that is a blog, digital magazine, whatever you want to name it as, go to startingtoknow.com, startingtoknow.com. Go there and learn more about many in-depth business-related topics, non-business, you will learn a ton there for sure. Now, without further ado, let's welcome Nick to the show. Hi, Nick. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. My pleasure to have you here. So how are the things going at Narrative? Things are going well. We uh, we had a very strong 2022. We expect to have a strong 2023. You know, with uh, with all of the macroeconomic conditions, we're obviously keeping an eye on on the market, uh, but we're pretty bullish about our business. Mm-hmm. What do you do at Narrative? Like, what what is the platform all about? Yeah, so our our goal is to make data collaboration easier. Um, usually, the follow up question to that is, "What the heck is data collaboration?" Yeah, <laughs> uh, which, which is you know, it just means when when multiple companies are sharing uh, and and working with data amongst each other, that can actually come in a number of forms. It could be companies buying and selling data to and from each other. It could be them sharing data so they can do shared model building or shared analytics on top of it. But it but it you know it just typically means when when multiple companies are 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 working on a common set of data. Okay. So common set of data using your platform, right? Using us as, as the pipes in the governance system, mm-hmm. uh, oftentimes the, the collaboration itself may, may actually happen outside of our platform, but we are what enables it. And so, you know, maybe a, maybe a non-technical analogy would be uh, Amazon fulfillment. Okay. So, you know, we, we, we help companies store data, organize data, and ultimately do data fulfillment, meaning moving it from point A to point B as efficiently as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. But overall, what do you think like is the biggest challenge with data? What do you have seen so far? Yeah, it, easily the biggest challenge with data is data. We we talk about it like it's a homogenous thing. You know, mm-hmm. we talk about it like it, it's it's always the same. When in reality, data comes almost in an infinite number of forms. You know, when you when you 
boil it down, at least digitally, you know, data is just ones and zeros that are going through a pipe. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and anything that is complex is that it's it's really hard to collaborate around because, you know, you, you could have one data set that is representing uh, weather information uh, and you could have another data set that is also representing weather information and those data sets don't look anything like each other. Hmm. You know, the, the underlying information is stored in a different format. It's represented in a different way. And so if you're, if you're trying to, you know, let's say collaborate around weather data, I think, you know, a, a, a non-technical person would say, well, okay, it's weather data, you know, it's going to, it's going to be the same everywhere when in reality it's not, it's very different. Mm-hmm. So part of the trick that we solve is a way to create uh, an automatic way to sort of classify and standardize data so it can be collaborated on and, and the users don't have to understand all of the underlying complexity. And what do you think what do you think is the best way to get that data? Like getting the data, it's easy or maybe people know the sources, but what do you think the best way to get the data in order? Because you said initially it's kind of a part of your services as well. Like what do you do in, in narrative, right? Yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're actually leveraging uh, machine learning and AI to create a semantic classification of the data. So I, I I use a lot of uh, Amazon analogies. I I apologize in advance, but if you, if you go on amazon.com, their e-commerce site, you know, everyone knows Amazon literally sells everything. You can, you can search for any product and, and they have it. Yeah. Um, but almost any product you search for, uh, they have classified it into some product category. Mm-hmm. And I, I usually challenge people. I say, you know, choose, choose any product category and search for it on, on Amazon. And what you'll find is they've built a whole set of functionality to make it easier to shop for that product category. So my favorite example is flower pots. Mm-hmm. So if you search for flower pots on Amazon, you know, you'll get a page with their most popular flower pots, but on the left-hand side of the page, you'll get a bunch of filters that are very specific to flower pots. Does the flower pot have drainage or does it not have drainage? Is it, you know, plastic or metal or concrete? Is it oval? Is it rectangular? Is it triangular? Is it better for, you know, uh, annuals or perennials? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so what's obvious is that, you know, someone at Amazon, every time there's a new product category that comes in, they have to figure out what are the attributes of this product category. And so we can put it into the platform and people that are looking for this can can find it more easily. Mm-hmm. We do the same thing to data. The challenge being that data comes in a lot more forms than even product categories on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And so we're leveraging machine learning and AI basically to look at the data, understand what the data is and then store that classification alongside the data itself. And so when someone comes in and says, I'm looking for weather data, even though there's 10 different sources of that on the platform and they all look different, our, our AI algorithm knows that they're all the same and knows how to turn them into a data set that, that looks identical. Okay, okay, interesting. So like a kind of less manual intervention, so less problems, less mistakes, or more accuracy? That's, that's yeah. one of the reason or is the amount of data like it's coming in tons? It's it's a little bit of both. I think one is sort of, you know, removing the friction of the, you know, the the normalizing and classifying of the data. Mm-hmm. The second is certainly the volume. Um, and I think the third is actually fragmentation. So, you know, there are hundreds or thousands of companies that are, are, are making data available. Yeah. 
And, you know, in, in the absence of technology that helps you plug into those thousands of data sources, you know, you're, you're on a lot of phone calls and you're doing a lot of manual work. Um, and, and I think as data becomes more prevalent and more important, you know, and it goes from thousands of companies to hundreds of thousands of companies that are making data available, mm-hmm. you really need technology that can streamline that because doing it manually doesn't scale at all. Mm-hmm. Agree. And how do you use your data in your, in your business? Like, okay, we, we learned about the aspect of, yeah, selling the data or, maybe massaging the data and then transferring it to other companies or the users. But how do you leverage your platform or something like similar? Like I'm going to not talk about your platform. I'm going to talk about data in general. How do you manage? How do you use it? Like any, any use cases, any, any positives, any tips that we can, we can use yeah. And so, you know, I have to be a little bit careful here because we yeah. very intentionally, because we run this platform, we we don't, we're not a participant because we yeah. want to be seen as Switzerland. And so we very, <laughs> as much as we, as we'd like to use our own platform, sometimes we, we don't, mm-hmm. um, but we see, we see data used in, in a number of different ways. You know, I, I think maybe the one commonality across all businesses is that they all have customers Mm. Um, or, or they would all like customers, at least maybe in the example of, of early stage companies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we often use data um, to, to, you know, better understand who our customers are. And that helps us inform our product roadmap so we can build a better product. It helps with our sales and marketing so we can make sure that we're messaging the right thing to, to the right potential customers. Um, mm. You know, when when it's the holiday season and we're, and we're sending gifts to our customers. We use data to make sure that we're giving them gifts that that align with their specific interests or tastes or likes or dislikes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that is probably the most the most obvious use of data for almost any company is to just better understand who their customers are or who their you know future customers might be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the other really interesting use of data, which is I, I think still in its early days, but I, I think almost everyone has been exposed to it at, at some level is how data is being leveraged as part of machine learning and, and AI models. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking to someone the other day about chat GPT mm-hmm. and, and, you know, there have been chat bots before uh, chat GPT is not the first chat bot. Mm-hmm. And, and I think when I first read about it, you know, I, I, it was not a particularly interesting uh, announcement to me, but the first time you use it and really see the power of ChatGPT or DALI or some of these other um, generative um, artificial intelligence technologies, you're you're really blown away by it. And you know, I think certainly folks that are, are close to technology understand that the reason that those algorithms can do what they do is largely because of the, the data that they're fed. There's some very you know incredible intelligence that goes into turning that data into the the product itself but you know without the underlying data those engines would not be nearly as interesting and, and compelling as they are and so i think more and more the future of, of how data is going to be leveraged in the platform may not be by an individual user looking at an individual data point and making a decision mm-hmm. but rather feeding it you know in in mass quantities into an algorithm that can help make those decisions programmatically mm-hmm and what about the, I would say, the accuracy of this analysis for chat GPT or things like that um, or other chatbots or other AI-based tools? Uh, 
what I've seen so far, yeah, you feed them the data. I'm not going to, I'm for now, I'm not going to talk about like copywriting the simple problems. Tell me this, tell me that. I'm talking about giving the complex problems. Okay. Um, this is the data. Uh, now tell me what, what should I, I would say, get the result or what should I understand by this data? So do you think like the accuracy is there? Uh, maybe the technology is there for B2B solutions or at scale. I'm talking about like for, for I would say the front end, the end users, it's it's not there yet. We, I personally feel like there there are so many problems, but um, yeah. what do you think? Like, what is your take? Like technology is there to bring in the accuracy or accuracy is there or not? Yeah, I, you know, I guess I have, I have mixed opinions on this, you know. I think as as humans, at mm. some level, we should hope that the accuracy never gets too good because then mm. we're we're not needed for anything anymore. <laughs> yeah. You know, I I think you know almost all of the best technologies work best when paired with you know human intuition and logic and and things that maybe you know these algorithms have not figured out yet. Mm-hmm. I think on the other side of that equation, I look at things like um, self driving cars mm-hmm. and you know, with self-driving cars, there's this, I think, general consensus that you need to get to almost perfect um, self-driving capabilities before they, you know, before they can be unleashed on the world because you don't want a self-driving car to kill someone by making a mistake and getting into an accident. Hmm. But I think what that fails to keep in mind is that humans that drive cars are not perfect and are killing, you know, each other at, at, at incredible rates. Yeah, And so I, I don't know that the, the measure of when something is accurate enough or good enough is perfect or infallible. I think the measure needs to be better than what we would do in the absence of having that piece of technology. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, certainly I, I, I actually asked ChatGPT who the most famous person from my hometown was. I'm from a small town in, in upstate New York. Mm-hmm. And it gave me an answer. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that person was from my hometown. And sure enough, I looked it up and he was not from my hometown. And as far as I know, he's never been to my hometown. <laughs> So it was, it was, you know, uh, you know, factually very incorrect. Um, but I think I could have asked, you know, uh, a bunch of people who are the most famous person from my hometown is, and they would have given me wrong answers as well. And so I don't know that I really hold, hold chat GPT to the standard of being perfect with all of the questions that I ask it. Mm. Beautifully said you gave like, I would say beautiful examples in terms of self driving car. I really loved it. And, um, what about like how can companies make sure data works for them and not the other way around? We know the data is there. We know platforms like yours um, is massaging the data, like buying and selling the marketplace is there. Um, so many things are happening. We talked about the accuracy as well. But how can companies make sure the data works for them? I don't know if there's an easy answer to that question. I, I you know, I think. Most organizations go through a, an evolution of their data competence and, and how they think about data. Mm-hmm. And so usually it starts with very simple uh, you know, tips like any of their systems that generate or produce data, they should be you know, saving and storing that data. Mm-hmm. Once they have the individual systems you know, recording all of the data, then they need to find a way to centralize that so all of their data lives in, in sort of a more generalized data warehouse or a data lake. Once that's done, they can start layering on the capabilities on top. So the the analytics capabilities, 
usually it involves hiring some some specialists. Um, and I think you know what what we're seeing in a lot of Fortune 500 companies is that they're actually hiring a chief data officer. So instead of seeing data as a as a vertical specialty, they see it as a horizontal specialty, mm-hmm. not dissimilar to like a, a chief human resource officer, right? Mm-hmm. The chief human resource officer. It's not that every person in the company reports to the human resource officer, um, but they help inform policies around hiring and training and all of the things that you want to do. And I think that that's the, that's where the chief data officer role really plays a part. It's not that, you know, all data in the organization is is centralized under one person or one, one person's team, but it's rather they can help build a cross-functional expertise that works with all of the different divisions, all of the different expertises and, and teams within a company to make sure that they're getting the most out of the data. So, for scaled companies, the answer might be different for, for the startup companies. Uh, what do you think? Uh, what do you think, Nick? So we are startups are using a lot of different products, um, CRM, this, that, here, there. So uh, for emails, use this. For messaging, use that. So so many different products. So do you recommend for the scaled companies or even for the startups like who have the monetary budget to have a central location for all of the data, or do you think like yeah, yeah, a starting I, stage? I mean, you know, usually being an entrepreneur myself, usually the advice that I give entrepreneurs is, you know, w- worry about the things that matter, mm-hmm. you know, dep- and, at your different stages of a company. I know mm-hmm. I, I, I was, I was mentoring a, a very early stage uh, startup. I mean, there were you know, literally two or three employees and the CEO was telling me how they had been working for, you know, three or four works to per- three or four weeks to perfect their um, non-disclosure agreement that they were going to send to potential customers. And I said, you know, I got to tell you, you're, you're mm-hmm. focusing on the wrong stuff. Um, and, and I think oftentimes, you know, entrepreneurs can do that as they focus on the things they think they can control, you know, and, and mm-hmm. he could go write a very good NDA that wasn't going to, you know, make the company any more successful, but it was something that he could control. And so, you know, certainly there there is a time and a place. That being said, with, with the, the cloud platforms and the uh, availability of, data related technologies being as ubiquitous as it is today there's never been it's never been easier for companies to really you know store centralize and get value out of data you know mm-hmm. if you'd asked me the same question 20 years ago i would have said you know no one except for the most advanced organizations around data should even be trying because of the level of effort you would have to put in is so high mm-hmm. i think you know now depending on the company and the stage and what they're trying to accomplish you know, it's become easier and easier and, and they can start to focus on their data strategy earlier and earlier. Got it. Got it. So I would say valuable advice. And and the example that you said there, like, I think that's a kind of a refresher for, for everyone, including me. Like sometimes you, like it's a human tendency, like you, you try to be perfect in some areas, but you don't have to. So yeah, yeah uh, getting the advice from you or from some, from someone or a third party, like can give you that that awakening yeah, I, and like don't go yeah. there i i find i find moments when i'm procrastinating i'll still you know i'll work i'll do i'll do work i, I know i don't sit at my computer and twiddle my thumbs but the work that i do tends to be the stuff that i'm either very good at or that i'm i'm you know fully in control of mm-hmm. and the stuff that i'm procrastinating doing is the stuff that i i'm, I'm less good at or the stuff that there's more uncertainty around and and i'm constantly trying to remind myself that 
you know, running a business is, a, is, you know, ruthlessly prioritizing the things that need to be done. And just because something feels good to work on does not mean it's the right thing to work on. Mm. Wow. Okay. Okay. It was a good one. So I know that Narrative has a, has a data marketplace to buy and sell data as well. What kind of data can be bought and sold without getting into trouble? So that I was curious about that. Like what can be bought? We can we can buy whatever is available, what is going to be available on the, on your marketplace. So, but what can be sold? Um, that's the, that's that's the main question. Yeah. Uh, so I, I like to point out that I'm not a lawyer, so don't take yeah. any of this as is legal advice. Um, but I, I actually think data gets a bad rap. There yeah. are a whole. Yeah, I'd say there's there's more data that has no legal uh concerns or underpinnings and there is data that has you know some sort of legal framework or governance that's that's placed on it mm -hmm. so I, I mentioned uh earlier in, in the show about weather data um mm -hmm. you know measuring the temperature and the humidity uh you know there there are no uh at least that i'm aware of legal concerns about that data being bought and sold mm -hmm. um you know weather data is as often leveraged in in agriculture related businesses there's a whole host of companies that are collecting information around crop yield and around you know uh commodities um mm -hmm. you know outside of a couple of very specific you know sec regulations around insider trading and, and things like that for the most part that data is free and clear to be to be bought and sold mm -hmm. um you know i think to, to to take the other side of the question you know, the, the, the place where there's probably the most legislation and regulation in different jurisdictions is around consumer data. And I think, you know, largely there's sort of three flavors of the consumer data that, that they get regulated. There's the uh, healthcare data, which is kind of a class, uh, you know, unto itself, right? It's, it's mm -hmm. probably the most protected of all of the data asset classes and, and the one that's you know, a, a, any organization needs to take the most care with, you know, no matter, you know, where in the world they might be located. Mm -hmm. There's then the, you know, personally identifiable um, consumer data. So data uh, that might include a name or a, or an address or an email address. Um, and that certainly has, you know, many protections, uh, both new and old uh, around it. And then there's sort of the, you know, pseudo anonymous or anonymized consumer data, which still has, you know, a regulatory environment around it, although a little bit less stringent than, than the other two, two categories. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what our platform focuses on is really, you know, transparency in the market. So the buyers knowing who the sellers are, both the buyers and sellers being able to apply their own rules and the rules of the jurisdiction that they're in. Mm -hmm. on top of the platform and so we usually tell folks you know when they when they want a more specific answer to that question they should really you know consult with their legal counsel and you know really try to understand what they're trying to do be a, be a buyer or seller to to answer that question for themselves mm -hmm. okay okay understood yeah it's because like you're playing with the data like you're playing with your customers' data, so like of course legal advice, legal advice is necessary. Before, like I want, I want to keep on going. Like I want to wrap it up, but I want to wrap it up with the question. I know data is the new oil, like things like that. <laughs> well, well, where do you so uh, where do you see like the future of data is going? Like, what is the future? I mean, I think there's just going to be more and more of it. That that may be where the uh, 
the data is the new oil uh, analogy or metaphor breaks yeah. down is that you know there's a there's a oil is a limited resource. Um, yeah. You know we've we've produced it through billions of years of tectonic pressure and and you know sort of dead organisms. Yeah. Um, data, I think, you know, is just going to continue in scale and in size. I, I don't think there's going to be a time 10 years, 100 years or a thousand years from now. And we look back and say, oh, remember when we used to use data for stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's I think it's only getting bigger. Um, and so I, I think technologies are going to need to keep up with that expansion. And I think that, you know, maybe one of the, the, the biggest challenges right now is, you know, the amount of data that was being generated even 10 years ago pales in comparison with the amount of data that's being generated today. And if your technologies, you know, don't keep up with that growth, you know, where you know, a lot of that data is going to go uh, wasted or, or, or unused. I, I will say the, you know, Harkening back to that metaphor, which historically I have not liked very much, I just think largely because it was it was overused. But mm. I do think there there is a darker side of of data, where is you know if we use data without looking at its implications to you know what you mentioned earlier, the mm. accuracy of algorithms or to the privacy rights of consumers, right? I, I think there can be some some negative impacts of data, just like there are negative impacts of of oil. And so I, I think if there is one part of the metaphor that I like is that, you know, the, the the users, the practitioners, the collectors of data should really look at, you know, the side effects of, of, of how they leverage it. That's not to say stop using it or to, you know, treat it as, as some sort of, uh, you know, cancer on society, but mm-hmm. to, you know, make sure that they are looking at what those side effects are and try to minimize any of the negative side effects of this blossoming data economy uh, might be. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Interesting way to put it there. Uh, any final thoughts that you would like to share with with a person who is listening to this episode right now? Anything that I might not have asked or might have skipped? Anything that you want to share? No. You know, I think data is obviously complex, and so if if you know if anyone heard anything that's interesting, you know, feel free to to reach out to me at, at nick at narrative.io, the website's narrative.io, you know, we'd be happy to to talk to people further, you know, either as a as a potential customer or just to geek out about data because it's it's something that, you know, myself and almost everyone at the company is passionate about. Thank you so much, Nick. Narrative.io is the place. Please visit there and get in touch with Nick. Thank you so much, Nick, for coming to the show. It really means a lot. Thanks for having me.